are listening to Up To Me Radio, the best in inspirational talk radio. It's up to me. to the Informative Conversations podcast show. My guest today is Jan Jeremias. Jan is the author of Spoil Your Head with the O-I-L in capital letters. Jan's book teaches us how to support our cats and dogs with essential oils. Welcome, Jan. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. It's such a pleasure to be here with you and your listeners. Thank you for accepting my invitation. I like this. I'm excited about this because, of course, I have a dog, but I know so many people that love their pets. And with so many things in our environment today and so much going on, I just found this book to be great for me. It's a great reference. It's my Google. <laughs> so, okay, so Jan, let's begin by just tell my listeners a little about yourself. Okay, uh, I am, like Jacqueline said, I am an essential oil enthusiast and advocate. I'm using them in people and pets. That is not my background, um, as far as I didn't grow up holistic and natural. I don't think I was against it. I just don't think I know, knew anything about it. My background is very um, medical and very clinical as far as clinical research science. So in humans, and I was introduced to essential oils about 20 years ago, I would say now, or close to it. And I was introduced for my pets. So I didn't even begin using them on myself. I used them on them first. So it has been an interesting journey along the way. And my pets have taught me so much about how to take care of myself and how to help other people take care of themselves and their animals. Well, so that was going to be my next question. How, what specifically brought you on this journey of essential oils for pets? Well, I was, I was working probably in, I think at the time I was working at Mount Sinai Medical School. Like I said, I was very clinical and I had an elderly dog who was um, about 14 and she developed um, something called canine cognitive dysfunction or old dog dementia, it's called. And old dog dementia or or CCD manifests itself. So as we see it as an owner might see it or caretaker is insomnia, um, an extreme ability not to settle. So they're very, very fogginess. So literally I would send her out in the backyard and I would actually, she would stand there for 20 minutes in one place and stare mm -hmm. unless I told her to go to the bathroom and I would snap my fingers, go Casey make, and then she would go. So she was very foggy. And one of the symptoms is insomnia. They don't sleep. They wander at night. They cry because they don't know where they are. And I wasn't sleeping because she wasn't sleeping because she was keeping me up all night. Plus I was worried about her. And I had a friend who was into essential oils and being very Western in my thinking, I literally didn't really pay much attention to it. I really thought, you know, I was like, essential oils, you've got to be kidding. And I remember she spoke to me about it for about two weeks. Um, she kept on every time I'd see her like once or twice a week. And she'd always say to me, I want to give you these oils. You like, they'll help. They'll really help. And I said to her, really like, leave me alone. It's okay. I'll be fine. We'll figure it out. I didn't want to do medication. The doctor was suggesting that I medicate her. And I really didn't want to do that. It just wasn't something that resonated with me. I'm not telling people not right. to do it, but that wasn't for me. And finally, she sent me home with some, some essential oils, my friend did. And I remember diffusing them. And we'll talk a little bit about diffusing in a moment. I remember diffusing them wow. in the room and she slept through the night. And that was the first night. Mm -hmm. And I remember 
after about the third night in a row where she slept through the night, I thought, this is very interesting. Like, there is a lot more to this than I ever imagined. It kind of opened right. up like a whole world to me. Being from my background, which is science, I looked up journal papers and I started to look at studies on the chemistry of essential oils and what they were exactly doing and things like that. And Casey lived to 19 and she was a big wow. dog. She was a big dog. And then the rest was history. You know, it was kind of like just opened up a whole new world. And then people started calling me for suggestions and mm -hmm. how they could support their animals and for, through different issues. And I was just, you know, helping as many people as I could. Great. Oh, that's great. So Jan, tell us, give us a, um, a brief overview of essential oils. You know, what are they and how do you use them? And what are some no-nos, some things not to do with essential oils? Okay. Uh, when I speak of essential oils, I'm speaking only of oils that are very high quality, extremely tested, meaning they have third-party testing done there. Um, if you want the actual lab data or the data on the essential oil, the company is very transparent and willing to give it to you. If you can find essential an essential oil company, which has an, a veterinary advisory board, I would suggest you do that because mm -hmm. their systems are different than ours. So that's mm -hmm. one thing right away is there's a huge difference on the market between quality of oils. And that's very, very, very important when you're work using them with animals. Okay. Um, in general, animals don't handle and tolerate chemicals like we do or artificial fragrances or any sort of pesticide contamination or anything if you're not using a really good quality oil. So that's really important. In general, there are three ways to use a good quality essential oil. You can use them topically where you apply them to your hands, always dilute in a carrier oil, we call it, which is a fatty oil. And that could be coconut oil or fractionated coconut oil. You always want to dilute. And you can apply it to your hands and then apply it to their torso. Mm. That is one mode. And that's in cats and dogs. The dilution mm. is going to be different in a dog and a cat. As far as a cat needs, you have to think body weight and size. Cats are a lot smaller. So that you're going to use less on them or more dilute. And you're going to might use more on a dog. Are these things that just in my cabinet or that I use in my kitchen? Is that what you mean? Well, they can be as long as they're organic. I mean, people will use regular organic coconut oil or right, okay. um, organic grapeseed oil or jojoba. Okay. About using okay. something like a fractionated coconut oil is it's very thin and it absorbs really well. So it's not going to make their fur like gunky or oily. So if you're concerned about, you know, putting oils on your animals and then them jumping on the furniture or right. this mm -hmm. way it's absorbing into their fur really quickly and into their body and they're, they don't get greasy. So that's why I mention I always use in general fractionated coconut oil because it's a very thin oil. You could use something as simple as olive oil, but olive oil is, okay. olive oil is really heavy and tends right. to be very greasy. So if you apply it to them, their fur is going to get matted. They might stain your furniture. So that's why I tend to shy away from it. Not that it's bad. And that, right. I mean, it's a personal choice, but that's not something. It also always does smell a little bit like olive oil. You know, I love coconut mm -hmm. oil. I don't tend mm -hmm. to use the hard coconut oil because it's hard to make dilutions. I use fractionated coconut oil, which is basically coconut oil that's been heated to a temperature where it does not go back into solid form. So it's okay. always liquid. So it's just much more, e it's much more easy to work with when okay. you do it that way. And that's topical application. And as long as I'm on topical application, I'll get to um, a few of the no-nos right now. Okay. And that is uh, actually a lot of them. So that is, you don't want to ever put in the eyes or near the eyes, inside the ears or in any other sensitive areas. Those are areas you should avoid when you're applying essential oils because you have to think about if you put them near your own eyes or we never say put them in the ears because inside the ears, the ear canal and the eardrum is very sensitive. 
and oils are really strong in the eyes, it's going to like burn or you're going to have some sensation. So we don't want that to happen in our pets either. Um, you don't want to put on the bottoms of the paws. So you might put on the tops of the paws or between the toes and rub it in really well, but not on the paw pads. Okay. Um, so those are the few topical areas. The majority of oils you can use on an animal. We just avoid what we call, and I'm putting this in quotes, the hot oils. And what are hot oils? Hot oils are oils that are very strong that would cause a warming sensation on the skin. So things like the spice oils, like cinnamon and clove and um, oregano and even thyme oil. Those are very hot oils. They're very strong. And I would not suggest anybody use them unless they're working with a veterinarian and the veterinarian who uses oils guides them specifically, or if somebody were to connect mm -hmm. with me and I still probably would not use them and would probably go to a lot milder oils first. Their oils are unique in the fact that, you know, they each have their individual chemistry, natural right. chemistry in the oil, but a lot of the properties of an essential oil between one oil and the next they might share very similar properties. So let's say an oil is considered, um, you know, when you look at it, it has some antiseptic properties. And there might be oils that overlap in their anti-antiseptic properties. And so you might be able to swap out an oil that's mm. for a little less strong. So for example, if I was going to swap out and use something instead of oregano or time, I might use myrrh oil instead, or I might use um, an oil called Arbor Vitae, which is a tree, instead of using some of those hotter oils, because they're a lot more gentle. And like myrrh, you can use on an animal of any age, doesn't matter, it mm -hmm. can be, you know, a puppy, a kitten, to an elderly pet. So there's and then if you needed to, if you had extreme circumstances and you had a very sick animal, very sick pet, you could always jump to the stronger oils if you needed to. But I would not start there. Mm, and I always treat good. them. I treat my pets like I do an infant. And I would never use oregano or thyme or, you know, um, clove, cinnamon on a on a newborn baby. You know, I just okay. I wouldn't. So if I have a roll on, let's say, because if I'm diluting oils for a particular purpose, making an, my own roll on is very easy because okay. I can dilute it or if they come in roll ons because I can dilute it. I'm not fidgeting with a lot of bottles. I can do a roll on mm -hmm. with one hand, mm -hmm. and even hold a collar if I need to. OK, hold it and swipe my hand and the bottle isn't going to spill out. So roll on. Right. Portable, they're a little bit less messy. So mm -hmm. I can wipe it on my hands. And the amount of oil on my hands is then very minimal. I mean, it's enough because oils are right. super concentrated, but it's not, it's not spilling over on my hand and it's not dripping. Right. I then rub my right. hands together usually because I want to be able to massage with both hands. And I'll go down the length of the body. I usually start right at the base of the skull, sort of like on my mm -hmm. dog. Let's see, so you can feel the skull bone like right at the back. And I'll go down right. all the way down the back, all the way to the right in front of his tail, right to the lower back. Mm -hmm. And the that application is really a useful place because it's the spine, it's the nervous system, tends to go everywhere. Now, if your dog has a particular or cat has a particular issue, so let's say they have an upset stomach. And you want right. to put the oils on that area, the, the belly region. Yeah. If they'll let you touch it, that's great. Yeah. But sometimes when they're uncomfortable, they don't want you to work on that area. It's sensitive. Yeah. They're, you know, my dog loves to have his belly rubbed, but some dogs or cats don't like that. So go to the area you can apply it to. The oil will go where it needs to go, but go to okay. an area which is going to be positive as opposed to causing them aggravation. I'll give you an example. So I've been working on a 15-year-old beagle that I do Reiki and essential oils on about once every three weeks. And about, he's 
pretty, he's 15 and he's pretty lame in his back legs. So he doesn't have great mobility anyway. And I got there and she said, I really think he hurt his front leg or paw or shoulder. And so he was totally immobile. And I want to tell you every single time I went to that, that paw was his front, right. He would snap at me. It was like, so eventually after I worked on him for like, I was working on him for close to probably 40 minutes. I was just kind of trying to get into the shoulder area. I was trying to get the leg to stretch out so that I could get. And eventually it got a little better when I left by the time I left. But he was like, if I wasn't care, I had to really pay attention and be fast Mm -hmm. because I would get it a little bit and then he would get angry at me and I felt bad. I was like, I'm so sorry, sweetheart. It's a girl. (laughs) I don't want to hurt you, but it really helped. I mean, after I left, like he got up and she got up and she was moving around a little bit. And then the next day she walked. So it really helped. But sometimes if they don't want the area to be touched, you just have to be careful and go to the area you can touch, which is where I spent most of my time on her back, on her back legs, on her back. And then eventually I'd get to the shoulder and then I do the back and the legs again and get to her shoulder. And then go down. So it was just this kind of push and pull the entire time. And so but it's beautiful when they do work, when you see them work, it's like, wow. And so that's topical application. And originally you asked like, what is an essential oil? So essential oil is the aromatic portion of the plant. So it's what we consider the, you know, if we have a flower oil, it's going to be the part that smells Mm. most likely. And they're extreme. They're interesting in their consistency because they're not greasy. We think oil, but that's because they're, that's because when, they are distilled, which is most good quality oils are steam distilled. They're not using chemicals to get the oil out. Basically what they do is they steam plant material depends on where the oil comes from, whether it comes from the leaves or the flowers or the bark, they're steaming that they get oil and water. The water is usually drained off and then the oil they bottle. And so that is the oil and it is, it looks oily, but it's so easily absorbed into the skin. It's different than like when we think of a fatty oil, like olive oil, coconut oil, it's not like that. Right. Okay. That's an essential oil. They're volatile means they have a, you know, they evaporate in the air, which they diffuse essential oils. So then you could, that we'll get into diffusing. So diffusing an essential oil is where you dispense that oil into the air And you breathe in that aroma and those small little particles that have been broken down. So let me just talk a little bit about that. A good, you don't want to heat an oil. So people will use candles and then have a little plate above it. I did that for years when I was looking for the aroma, like the smell. But if you want to get therapeutic benefits of not only smell, the best way to do that is to dispense either very, very small components which are broken down by a machine, a nebulizer, for example, and put that in the air. Now, nebulizer diffusers, which is literally where they break the oil into really small pieces and then dispense pure oil in the air, are mm. usually are very powerful, tends to be very strong. And is not most of the ones I've worked with, and I'm not saying all, but the ones I've ever used are not very flexible, meaning the way they work is an oil bottle actually attaches to the machine. Mm-hmm. The, there's like a straw that goes and sucks the oil out in very teeny amounts. It's broken out and then dispensed into the air. But okay. you can combine oils very easily because you're working with a bottle and you're not working. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's very strong. The ones I've worked with, uh, don't have a shutoff mechanism. So once you put it on, it goes and then you have to turn it off. I tend but can to- you, Let me ask because you said because they're in a bottle, they're not easy to work with. But can you buy them blended already? Can you buy essential oils yes, already blended? Yes, you can buy them. But if you decide, like I know, I do diffuse blends, but I also diffuse lots of combinations of oils. Like I might diffuse depending on what's going on. So let's say- you know, I have a, a blend that I use that has cinnamon and clove. It's very fall-like, but I love right. it with more, I love it with more orange. So doing something like that, I can't do so easily with a nebulizer diffuser. 
So I tend not to use them. I also think that they're too strong for pets. Uh, I don't really recommend them um, around pets that often. Okay. And so the other oil, the other diffuser you can use is a water-based diffuser. And that's basically where there's a bowl of water or a chamber of water. You put oils in the water and then that has an ultrasonic vibration. So it breaks the oils up into very small components and in a mist, a cool mist that's dispensed in the air. They're very easy. You can regulate exactly how many drops you put in. So with an animal, you're not going to want to, per cup of water, you're not going to want to exceed, I would say, I think the standard is about four drops of oil. So as opposed, so that's in a cup that lasts maybe, depending on the diffuser, my diffuser that I have, a cup will last more than 12 hours. So that's a very, very small amount of oil that's being dispensed in the air. It's more than enough to scent the room and to have an impact, but you're not using a lot of oil. If I'm using more than one oil, like I said, I need, I like to blend um, oils together. So let's say I'm doing lavender and I'm doing frankincense and I'm doing, um, let me think of a one that I use all the time, lavender, frankincense, and let's say I go into grapefruit or wild orange or something like that. If I'm doing four drops, it's four drops in total. So I'm doing one drop of each. So maybe one drop lavender, two drops frankincense, and only one drop grapefruit. But the total amount is four drops. So I'm not doing four mm-hmm. drops of each oil. Okay, let me, let me ask this. You mentioned that a cup could last about 12 hours. But when you're treating about how long would you, uh, in one treatment, in one setting, how long would you allow it to diffuse? To, and, to diffuse uh, go to, ahead. To diffuse, well, we say 20 minutes, two to three times a day. That's usually what okay. we say in the book. Now, I, I'm using my diffuser probably all day, every day, and have mm. been for forever. Mm. And it's not like that's a negative. I would say that at a minimum, and there are points where I might say, depending on the combination, and I might say, okay, the house definitely smells and I don't need any more and I'll turn it off for a while and then I'll turn it back on. And most essential oil diffusers, at least the ones that I have worked with, the water ones all have timers. So you can set it for two hours and go off. It'll go on for five hours and then go off. And that's usually a constant mist, meaning it's continuous for two hours or five hours. When on my 12-hour setting, it goes on and off that entire time. So it's not running the entire time. So it might go on for five minutes or off for five minutes. And even then, I might turn it off. Now, if I do turn it off, I don't spill it out. I just leave it. Nothing's going to happen. I don't leave it for days. But if I you know, go to bed at night and there's still some oils and water in that diffuser, I leave it there and turn it on the next morning. You know, it never wastes. Like that's my rule. Unless you don't. So the properties remain stable there. That's great. At least overnight in a good quality oil. And I, the only time I've ever spilled it out, and this is, I don't know if this has ever happened. If for some reason my pets don't like it or I don't like it. Like I've combined something and I'm like, oh, that was not a good combination, which doesn't really happen. Now, that being said, when you're diffusing for the first time, I always say always be home with your pet because you and don't close them in a room. So allow them, allow them what we call an escape route, meaning if they don't like it or if they feel uncomfortable or if they don't want to be in the space, then let them leave. And so my animals I mean, I have a very open layout in my house, so I'm not usually diffusing in a closed room. That's just not what's going to happen in my house. But, you know, if, I mean, it is multiple rooms. So if he doesn't like it, he goes and lays down in the other room. Now, if there were some reason, and my co-author on the book, Dr. Mia Frezzo, and I have never really seen this at all. If for some reason your pet develops an adverse reaction. So what might what that what might that be? That might be excess vocalization. So continuous meowing or barking, um, drooling, um, foaming at the mouth. If you've ever tried to medicate a cat, cats are very dramatic. 
and <laughs> salivate a lot. And it's not necessarily, some of it is like they are, they are dramatic. You know, if you've ever tried to pill a cat and then go to pill it again before you even give them the medication, they're drooling. Like so, they're very. So if they assess, explain what peeling is. Some people may not know what that is. Pilling is if you have to give your animal medication. Now, I have given my dog pills for a long time. Literally, I'm not a. He doesn't get treats. I literally open up his mouth, I pop the pill in his throat way back, close his mouth, and then that's it. I don't give treats. That's just the way he's been trained. He knows what it is. He's not going to bite me. He's been used to getting whatever it be, supplements, whatever, since he was a very young age. Okay. Okay. Doing that with a cat takes a lot more skill. Cats are, I mean, my last cat, it took two vet technicians 20 minutes to pill him, to give him a pill. Wow. Yeah. And so I thought, well, there's no way I'm doing this by myself. I can't do this. So cats are a little different. So those dramatic effects with um, with diffusing. So those are some of the symptoms that your pet might actually be uncomfortable with you diffusing. And it's not a big deal. Like, don't panic. Turn off the diffuser, air out the room, open the doors, open the windows, let the space air out. They'll be fine. But always be around. It's kind of like I wouldn't diffuse with a baby in the room without being in the room and closing the door. I wouldn't do the same thing with my pets. And the oils that some of the oils that we don't recommend for topical application, we will use when we diffuse. So I might use those combinations of clove and cinnamon in small amounts or in a blend. So I don't totally avoid them. I just don't apply them on. Right. Right. The dog or cat. Huh. I'm not going to do a topical application with those. And then the last way to use essential oils is via the litter box for a cat. So it's where you're adding essential oils to baking soda. So you're not putting them directly in the litter box. Mm-hmm. And you're taking, um, if you make a cup of baking soda, you're using about two drops of oil, combination of an oil or blend. You're putting it in that baking soda. You're mixing it. You let it sit. And then you add a tablespoon of that to the litter box every day. And then this way they get that when they dig, they breathe in that aroma. And for cats with certain health issues or just as normal maintenance or just to sense your litter box, it's a great safe way. If you're doing it for the first time, we always say give your animals a choice. So do it in one litter box and then don't do it in the other. Because you want to be able to, you don't want them to avoid the litter box because they don't like the aroma. So it's never, I mean, I did it when I first got my new kittens, I did it. And I was like, let me see and make sure that they like the litter box with the scent in it. But they never had a problem with it. I just wanted to make sure. And I didn't want them to pee Mm -hmm. on the floor if they didn't smell. I mean, as anybody has dealt with cats, cat urine is really powerful. So that being Mm -hmm. said, there are essential oils that do help with that smell. So, but still, it's not something you want to happen. Another good thing about the essential oils and we can all gather from listening to you, is that these same oils can be used in humans. So I like some of those scents, especially during certain holidays, you know, Christmas and so forth. So I just like to have those scents in my home. And it's good to know that I can use the same ones that I'm purchasing for my pet. Right. I mean, the oils that I use on them, I'm using on myself all the time. So... Mm You know, it's the same bottle of frankincense I'll use, which is my favorite oil. So I'll use on my animals that I use on me, just different amounts. Yeah, so, see, I'm a lavender person. <laughs> yeah, so everybody has their has their has their favorites, and sometimes right. that smell, and sometimes that's what it's doing for you. So it's helping you manage or helping you um, support you in a certain health issue or health concern, just like we would use them on our animals for the same thing to support a certain body system. So I want to let my listeners know, I reached out to you because my dog, well, my daughter's dog, I'm Nana, she's mom. (laughs) Um, She started um, scooting and then she would come in and she was having difficulty going to the bathroom. 
and she'd be licking herself. And we didn't know if it was, we really didn't know what it was. And I was thinking, especially when she would come in scratching and she would, she was clingy and needed more attention. She's, she's a lab and she requires a lot of attention, but it was more of it this time. And I didn't know if it was like the mosquitoes in my yard because you know, she she's treated, she she takes a pill every month, so she's fine. But as far as and then I was reading and it was saying get some um pumpkin puree. And we tried that a few times. It worked a little bit, but not for long. And we took her to her veterinarian and they expressed the anal. And like I said, everything worked just for a short period of time and then it would start again. So we we didn't know if it was food or what. So would you speak to, you know, what what you what you can do for some of those symptoms for the not being able to go to the bathroom, for the licking, for the scratching the skin, and and also share your diagnosis? Sure. I always suggest so if you uh, we I always suggest that you go to your veterinarian and see if you can get a right. diagnosis. It's right. always a lot easier to work or to to start to help your pet if you exactly know what you're working with. Not to say there have been circumstances where I don't know, or I've had emergencies like overnight where let's say they've had, they've gotten sick in the middle of the night from, could have been something they ate, could be something. And I have supported you know all my animals through the years for the last 20 using essential oils to try to sue them. And also to try to, for me not to have to go to the, like the 24 hour vet, which, you know, no offense is costly. And if I don't yes. win, I can wait till the morning, then that's great. Obviously not putting my pet in danger, but just saying, okay, well, let me monitor and see whether she'll go back to sleep and whether I can stop the vomiting. Uh, I love what you said, because part of what I think, depending on how often the issue happens is keeping like a, either a journal. So seeing if there's anything that's related, did you switch foods? Did the weather change, meaning excessive rain or excessive cold, like just to see if there've been any dramatic, and even in their routine, like, are you working more? Is it anything like that? So you're starting to try to discern and decipher a little bit on your own. And yes, it is. It's like being an investigator. And I say discern and decipher. And I feel the same way with myself, you know, I had a reaction Mm -hmm. to something I ate. And so it's like, can I look back and say, okay, well, what did I eat? And when did I eat it? And how long is it taking? So that's, that's one thing you can do. Then you can start to try to soothe some of the symptoms they might be having. So a lot of times if a dog scoots, it's because they're literally their butt is itchy. Or they're trying to, or that, or if they're excessively licking, it usually means that's also there's an itchiness and a discomfort on the skin. And usually the areas they lick depends, but paws is a big area, and that could be right. or it could be something seasonal in the air that is causing them to have um, what we might call seasonal discomfort, which is some sort of reaction to the environment or to food. And sometimes if you change foods, that'll help. Now, if you do be careful because pets can't just switch foods one day to the next, like you got to have to do that gradually, usually because extreme, extremely different food changes is going to cause them sometimes to upset their tummy. So you just don't want to drastically, there are ways like, you know, slowly increasing the new food still giving them the old and eventually kind of weeding out the old and just sticking with the new food and then taking notice of those seasonal changes of like trees and flowers. Like, are they sensitive to that? Because animals can be sensitive to that just like we are depending on time of the year, whether it's spring or fall or something like that, they can be sensitive. And there are certain oils which help to soothe those areas. So lavender is a big one that right. people use. Lavender, they use that to soothe the itchingness. Also, if they're excessively licking, it's very bitter and they don't like the taste. So sometimes they'll just leave it around alone because they're like, this is like, this tastes terrible. So <laughs> sometimes a great way to get them from stopping. 
and not to say it's just because the skin underneath where they lick tends to become raw. The saliva has a lot of bacteria. So that's another reason. And so the skin tends to become discolored and raw. And sometimes depending on their home life or their emotional disposition, sometimes it becomes almost like an obsessive compulsive behavior where if they get bored, they start to lick or Mm. something like that. And since you don't want that to develop over time, you want to try to cut it off as soon as possible, sometimes breaking those habits. And if you notice them licking, trying to distract them from to something, play with them, give them a toy. I would say avoid, you know, I love giving food as rewards, but with the um with the statistics of overweight and obese pets in this country i would say people indulge their pets far too much with food there's a there's a very big obesity and overweight issue in animals in this country and that leads to the same ailments that we get when you know when people are overweight you know things like you know, joint issues and metabolism issues. And so if we can alleviate that in pets, that's great. So oils that are going to maybe soften the stool and help the digestive system function properly. And then oils that might soothe that itchiness would be really helpful. So that's what we did. So Jane, I want to go back to a comment you made. You were talking about how we give our pets too much or feed them too much is what you said and um treats so i was guilty of that especially when we first got her everything she did i would just give her a treat and then my daughter would come by and give her another treat and we just bought variety of treats but as i learned more about pets i started um i I stopped doing that but you and i were talking one time and you cook your pet food. You make, and you're not the only person. I've heard of other people doing that because their pet had illness before and they stopped and they started preparing food for their pet. Now that's a little too much for me, but I want you to talk about that because I'm sure there are many people that do it or would like to do it and would like to know more about it. Yeah, I I think that... Uh, I, Actually, it's funny that you asked me that. Pet food is one topic I tend to avoid. Um, I think it's a very controversial area in the fact that there's a very hard area to navigate because there's a zillion pet foods out there and they all have great claims. And I don't think, but I will have to say, I don't think that there's one size fits all. I don't think there's one diet for every pet. I fed my, I made my own cat food for close to, oh gosh, 20 years or more. Mm. Um, I lost my last cat in November at the age of 20. Mm. And I made their cat food forever. And that was, they didn't, one of my cats had um, an issue with the cat food and I tried so many different foods and I was getting desperate. And I had a friend who said, make your own. So I fed them, Mm. I fed them raw food. I used raw meat and I mixed it and I had vitamins in in it. I got a recipe from a friend and it worked really well for them. Now I tried a similar recipe with my dog and he couldn't do it. Like it was too rich. And so it's not, and yes, it was dogs and cats, but it wasn't the same vitamins I didn't put in. I supplemented with vitamins and minerals. Wasn't the same. It just, his system wouldn't do well on that diet. So I think Mm -hmm. you have to look at that as far as, and just look at the ingredients, make sure that they're ingredients you understand and that it's not a whole list of chemicals in there that you can't pronounce. And, and so that's one thing when you're navigating the pet food industry, that pet food treats, I feel like you have to be careful because basically it's like giving you sometimes depending on what you're giving them, it's like giving your, your pets junk food, literally it's like human junk food. So, I mean, pets can eat vegetables. So people will give apple slices and carrots Mm. Um, Karen sticks and like raw or just 
partially like a tinge cooked, like just heated, like steamed and then turned off just to alleviate some of that hardness, but they can eat vegetables. I mean, berries, blueberries are really good. And so there's a number of things that they can snack on. That's not just a load of chemicals or high, you know, with no nutritional value. And so so that's one thing you can do. So just take real good care. And yes, if your pet is food motivated, it is a plus in some ways because it makes training a lot easier and right. getting them to do something. And I'm not saying my dog has is very thin. So if anything, I'm working always on the opposite. I'm trying to help him put on weight. So I don't hesitate to give him really good quality organic um, treats. But also I'm working with a dog that burns calories like beyond. And so I've never had, he never had a weight issue. If I was dealing with an overweight pet, I might reward by, you know, by like petting or just paying attention to him or giving him Mm. things like that as opposed to food. Now, you know, so I hope that answers your question. That does. That's good. That's and, good. And, and just there are recipes out there. There are definitely re- reputable brands if you want to buy pet food, commercial pet food, because people, a lot of people don't want to cook for their pets. Some people cook for their pets. And I just have to say, just make sure they're getting all the vitamins and minerals they need from what you're feeding them. And it's the same as you. Like, are you getting the right nutrition? Just make sure they're getting the right nutrition. Right. It's something else I had to stop doing. And well, I had to stop in my my daughter too. But sometimes it's hard. Is giving your pet, we giving our dog table food or whatever we're eating, because she just sits there and she just is so good and and she's just looking. <laughs> and I had to stop. And, and what made us stop? is because of the symptoms she was having. And we were thinking, hey, we may be giving her something she shouldn't have. So we don't want her to have those symptoms. So we stopped doing that. But sometimes it's kind of hard not to. Do you ever give your pet some table food treats? Not normally. Maybe. I'm also a vegetarian, almost vegan. So as far as like all the meat stuff that I would tend Mm -hmm. to, maybe to give him more, I don't cook it. And so sometimes mm-hmm. when I go to friends, if like for holidays or something, if they have wow. me I'll go home with a little doggy bag, but I've never been. And he's so funny because he knows if, uh, if I have company because yeah. he knows I won't give him food, but he'll go over and put his head in their lap saying, right. this person doesn't know me. Maybe she'll make mm-hmm. a mistake or he'll make a mistake. Yeah. And he'll give me something to eat. So it's really funny. And usually I just look at him and I'm like, go lay down. And he'll go lay down because he knows that's mama's voice. That's not like, I'm. it's not, that's the boy. Like, like I mean business. And it's so funny that he goes over and he just puts his head on their lap and he looks at the baby with the big, big cow eyes, I call him. With the yes, that melts me every time. And he just waits. And, but those yes. are the circumstances where, I'm really careful about what he eats, even when mm. like, it's going to be meat. It's not going to be skin. I don't give him mm. bones because I don't want it like, right, right. to be overzealous because he has broken teeth. So being, he's a big hard chewer, but so you do have to be careful in the portions you give him. So, but, you know, when my mother would come visit, that was like always like her thing. She's like, oh, he needs just a little piece, just a little piece. And I'm like, yes. my, he doesn't need it. And she's because, yes, he does. And I'm like, mom, yes. really what would happen is that she would give it to him and then it would upset his stomach. And those mm. are the circumstances when I love having oils around, like around the holidays when everybody decides they need to eat table food. Like, oh, he needs that. Right. He needs that stuffing. You know, he really does. You know? yeah. <laughs> he does. And so... And then it does get annoying, like that whole begging at the table. What are some of the the most common illnesses in cats and dogs? Well, I think the illnesses right now are very similar to us. Some of the major diseases that are um, happening in dogs and cats that happen to us 
um, some of it, there's no difference. Like animals get things like pets get things like diabetes and cancer and joint and ligament issues and arthritis. So those are some of the issues that um, they encounter throughout their lives. And our goal is always what can we do to make that likelihood as low as possible? So what can I do as a pet caretaker, a pet human, Mm -hmm. custodian, my friend likes to call it. And I love that word, (laughs) custodian. I don't like the word own because I feel like that I don't own my animals. So Mm. they're beings and you can't own a being. But so, Mm. so is what can I do? And that's good nutrition. So feeding them really well, giving them enough exercise, giving supplements when needed. So to me, my my co-author and I always say every pet should be on probiotics and omegas. That's Mm. kind of our rule of thumb, unless you feed a lot of fish. But my dog, I I don't think any of the food I've ever fed him contains a lot of fish. So I want to make sure he's going to get those omegas, those omega fish oils. Yeah, and let me say this. What you just said, everything you just said, that's the same thing my doctor said to me. And I'm exactly. sure a lot of the listeners saying, yeah, well, she sounds as if she's talking about a human being. And it's so true. And that's why I'm always so concerned with obese and overweight pets, because like I said, the issues that it causes in them, it's the same issues of being obese and overweight in us that cause us to be on, like, to give us um, illnesses and diseases. So anything we can do that's in our own lifestyle control, that is going to help our pets. So diet, exercise, stress management. Yes, pets get stressed. They have stress just like we, partly because they react to our stress. So if we're stressed, Mm. they're stressed. Partly because just like, we suffer a loss, they suffer a loss. So, mm. and that some of that is their experience of us. So if we lose someone or a pet and we are grieving, they're picking up on that grief. But I really mm. feel like they have their own grief that they mm. handle because animals are pack oriented and we and any other animals in the house become their pack. So uh. when you know, when I first got my dog, I had now I had two cats and a dog and him. So now I've lost both my cats because they were older. And one of them died about two and a half years ago, three years ago. He was at 18 at the time. And my other cat died in November, last November, and he was 20. So for mm. all my dog's life, he was with those cats. So I all think right. that also goes through. So they have those emotional stressors. And some of those might be being left home alone more, especially with COVID Mm -hmm. things opening up Mm -hmm. kids going Mm -hmm. off to school or college or moving out where all of a sudden the household has changed and they don't understand that. I mean, I'm a huge advocate of people explaining it to them. Like I'm going out now, but I will be back, you Mm -hmm. know, and people think, but it really does work. I think that they understand our body language, our, our, our voice tone. So I think they get that message and they pick up on our feelings. So that's one. And then the other thing is just limiting your pet as your pets as much as you can, limiting their exposure to toxins, to household pollutants. And that might be strong household cleaners or chemicals in your home. It could be secondhand cigarette smoke, which is really detrimental to pets, just like it's detrimental to people. And so just taking out some of those risk factors or risks to help your pet live as long and healthy as possible. And I'm not saying stuff doesn't happen because I've had pets for years and I've kept them healthy for as long as possible. But my cat who died three years ago had um, a nasal pharyngeal tumor. So he had a tumor in his sinus cavity. So when he ate healthy, but he was old and I just have to look at that, but I did the best I could for him. So I think that that's what I want people to do to realize that they have the, like they can be empowered to care for themselves and their pets. And they're not, and they're not helpless. One of the things you mentioned was uh, stress 
what are some essential oils that you might recommend for stress? Oh, lavender is always a good one. Your favorite. Um, yes. <laughs> people like um, Roman chamomile. That's um, another good one. My favorite is probably frankincense, but I love frankincense, so I'll use it. And, but it is very calming and very grounding. The other one is a oil called copaiba. And that is also a tree from, um, and that one is also really calming to the nervous system. What are some for, uh, just to make them comfortable for uh, joint and, and hip? So joint issues. So those joint issues could occur because of, like I said, weight, um, old age, you know, as you become the joints become a little bit less um, lubricated. And so it's kind of like they get sticky right. <laughs> or it could be an injury. So mm -hmm. copaiba and like I said, oils can have multiple properties. They will, uh, sometimes if an oil has diverse chemistry, it's going to affect um, a lot of different systems in the body. So it might just um, affect um, the amount of inflammation in the body or, it might be soothing or calming to the skin. So it could be working with different symptom systems. Mm. So I love for something like a joint issue. I love copaiba is probably one of my favorites. Frankincense is another mm. uh, diluted. You know, there are blends which are combined together. So um, you might think of a few other oils that help marjoram. Uh, and then there's a few others. And you can either buy a blend that contains some of those oils or you can make a combination yourself and then apply that to the area that's affected. But those tend to be very soothing and help promote circulation. Mm. And so that circulation comes in and kind of helps to calm things down in that area which was just causing them uncomfort un discomfort okay so that's a good area when you talk about the blending and some of the remedies so i want you to um, provide an overview of how to use the book sure um, will you do that okay yeah. So the book was designed so that the whole entire beginning is what we call the guidelines. So we talk about quality. We talk about dilution for dogs and cats since it's different. We talk about special circumstances. So oils you might want to avoid if your pet is pregnant or if they have some other um condition there might be certain oils you don't want to use and those are all listed in the book and then we talk about the no-nos and certain circumstances where we felt clarification or further depth was needed in just the basics of how to use essential oils we talk about diffusing basic topical application all that is covered in what we call like our the first the beginning of the book after that we took over 75 health concerns or issues and in alphabetical order, we went through each of those issues. So if we start with A, we come up with anxiety, for example, or abscesses, or those are the A's. And then as you go through, it just is ailment by ailment. Now, what we did in each section, so for each ailment or issue, so I opened it up to abscesses. We describe what an abscess is. We describe what it might look like, what some of the symptoms, like what you might see in your mm. pet. Then we went through and we describe in the text what, what oils you're going to use and why sometimes. And then we go through actual directions. So right. we always work by icons. So we have a dog and cat icon if the directions are the same. We then have a dog icon and it says for dogs. And we give you exact dilution extra instructions, exact directions as to topical application, diffusing. If there's any supplements we recommend, we put that in. 
And then we do the same thing for cats and every section is the same. So we have ear infections and in ear infections, it's the same thing. Why do pets get ear infections? What are some of the things you might see? This is what you need to do for dogs. This is what you need to do for cats. Right, right. we did it that way where we kind of pulled out the direction part, the very practical section of the little dog icon for dogs with a list of directions and cats, because if you have an emergency situation, so I always use this ish instance. If your pet has been bitten by a snake, and this is only if you're with someone else, and let's say they're going to take you to the vet because they need to get you to a vet to save your pet. Right. Then you don't want to read about snake bites. Like that's not where your mind is. You want to know what to do. So that's every section we kind of explain it. And then we go through directions because we wanted to, we pulled the directions out sort of in on a different page or different sections because we wanted you to be able to know what to do immediately. Right. I can say this and I'm going to give everybody this tip because where I am, where I live actually, This year, they've had a rattlesnake issue. It's been a very dry summer for us and very hot. So there were two dogs that got bitten by rattlers. Mm. And smart, like very, very brilliantly, the owner actually called all the local vets to see who had antivenom because not every vet clinic will have it. And he ended up going to the one, obviously, that did because he had called ones that didn't have it in stock because maybe they don't keep it normally. And so his dogs were both saved and they're fine. But I thought to myself, wow, that is such a good tip, like to call around. Cause the last thing you want to do is get to a vet's office and let them say they can't treat your pet and then right. send somebody else. Now, if you're in a circumstance like that, if you're with someone else, so let's say you're out hiking and you have, you know, you're not alone, hopefully because you shouldn't hike alone. Then you have your pet and your pet gets in an accident or a dog bite or um, a dog bite, a snake bite. It encounters another animal. I always carry like a first aid kit of oils in my with me. That's kind of like a regular first aid kit. I have oils in that. I might start helping my pet with some of the symptoms Um during that trip, that road trip, if somebody else is driving, I can do what I need to do. One is to calm me down because I'm probably freaking out at that Mm -hmm. point. And the other thing is to keep them as calm as possible. You talk about having your kit with you. And so my question to you was going to be the same oils that you're using for your pet at that time, because you're stressed. Are you using them for you, and if so, which you answered that you were, but where are you applying them? Is it uh, around the neck area? Is it on your arm or in the inner armpit? Where do you apply them? Um, in extreme circumstances, on you, on me, on extreme yeah. circumstances like that, I probably am applying them to my pulse points, so my wrists, the right. sides of my neck, maybe mm. the back of my neck. Most of the time, if I'm applying them there, I then, because I might be using my hands, or even if I'm going directly to the roll-on, I'm going to make sure I get a good whiff of that and just make Mm -hmm. sure I breathe in. One is because it's getting me connected to my breath. So Mm -hmm. connecting to your breath helps to calm you down anyway. And Mm -hmm. smelling that calming aroma is going to help you calm down. And so this way, yes, I might be using the same oils or probably am because I'm not looking around to go grab oils if my dog is in or cat is in a severely um, compromised situation. Um, But I am going to use oils. In the book, we do have recipes throughout, depending, like we have shampoo recipes in the um, different sections that might be skin issues. We have recommendations as to what shampoo you would want to use or how you can make it and what oils are going to be in it to help with that, to soothe or help calm down that situation. So, for example, if your cat or dog has, oh, some sort of, in dogs, it's quite common and that's hot spots. You know, what shampoo um, you might want to use to have to help soothe the skin and heal and help to heal the tissue. 
um, some of those essential oils. Then you have um, recipes for flea and tick collars and flea and tick spray and mm. recipe. We have the litter box recipe and what oils you might want to add into that, depending on the circumstance. And usually they are in the sections which they apply to. So for example, the, you know, some of these things might be in the grooming and basic care, pet care section. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them might be under a skin issue or something like that. But we also pull them out and have a section at the end where we list all the recipes that we've mentioned in the book. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, we also have a list of oils that we recommend. Those are the oils that are recommended in the book. And then in the back, back, there's a table of all the issues we cover and where you can find those um, uh, in the book. So what page they'd be on and whether they're, you know, whether we describe dogs, cats, if the ailment or the issue applies to both. So, yeah, so that's um, was our was our book and really has been a. A mission, I guess, to help empower people to care for their animals and not to say that I won't help people individually or in groups if they call me and ask me to do something or to speak. But it's really also this idea of what can I do to help support my pets through everything that happens in life. And, And it's a great book. Um, Jan, you know, we, we talked about, we mentioned several times how we can, humans can use these two. Uh, basically, they're using the same products. But how would we know for the recipes, this, the measurements here is not for humans, am I correct? I mean, you could use them on a human. There's nothing wrong. Okay. They're probably a little bit dil- more dilute than you would need. Okay. But there are, if it's already a pre-existing roll-on that's made by a company, um, then I tend to not, I tend to use them as they are and okay. not dilute further or for me, but if they're an, an oil blend I make, I might use it for myself or I might not, depending on the circumstance. I mean, a lot of times you might have the same issue your pet has, but you might not. So that roll on may only be for them. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. For example, okay. you know, flea bites, you know, not to say that a person can't get flea bites, but, right. you know, maybe only your pet is getting bit by fleas because they're spending time outside and they're, you're not getting bit by fleas. So it just might be depending on the circumstance. Okay. So, Jan, where can someone purchase the book? Yeah, the the book is available through our publisher, and that is Aroma Tools. It's a company, aromatools.com. It's available on Amazon, so you can buy it on Amazon. It's available in hard copy from those places. And then on Amazon, there's also um, the ebook, so people could buy it electronically. And then there's also a Spoil Your Pet app which is available for Android and for um, iPhone, Apple. And that's available either on the Apple store or on other, you know, Android sites. So you can get the app. The app is in English and Spanish. So for Spanish people, they might want to get the app so that they have that and they can understand it more easily if they need. Okay, that's great. And Jan, if someone did want you to speak or wanted to talk with you, how would they contact you? The best way is probably through some sort of social media platform. So either LinkedIn, which I'm on a lot, or Facebook Messenger. So send me a message. The other, um, I am on Instagram, not as much as I'm on the other two, but they could send me an Instagram message. Uh, I, I welcome it. Actually, I'm happy to help people as many people as I can. The other way people can email me, but just to be forewarned, I get a lot of email and sometimes it takes me longer to get back to people that way. So it's, you know, you can email me, um, at, um, Jan, all lowercase at aroma, A-R-O-M-A-L-O-T-U-S, aromalotus.com is my email address. But like I said, if you 
especially if you have an emergency situation, please send me a message via Facebook Messenger or LinkedIn because you'll get me faster. So it's Jan Jeremias, and my last name is spelled J-E-R-E-M-I-A-S. And that's how I'm listed on LinkedIn and on Facebook. Uh, Most of the time, if you peruse the page, if you have any questions or peruse my posts on LinkedIn, I do a lot of pet posts. (laughs) And you'll definitely think in my description or um, on Facebook, it says spoil your pet. And I think also on LinkedIn, it's right up there in my profile. So you'll see that it's me. Well, Jan, thank you. I, I really enjoyed the book and I am a pet lover and I'm just amazed at how you know, God provides everything, even everything we need for our pets. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm so happy that we had this conversation. Such a worthwhile and um, life-changing experience it's been for me. And now it just continues with, mm-hmm. as I spread the word, and those mm-hmm. of us out there spread the word, to really help people navigate and do the best they can for their pets. Mm. We want them to live the longest and that they can, as it is, they're here for too short a period of time. Usually right. depending on the, depending on the breed of your pet. And so if I, you know, if we can help prolong that period for any and make that quality of life, just as good as the, you know, the years So who wants to, you know, yeah, you can have a pet for how many years, but you want it to be well and here for that many years. Thank you, Jane. Those those were encouraging words um, and inspiring words to take care of our pets. Mm 